right, welcome to another edition of Policy Today, a podcast from the Washington Research Council. This is Mary Strau. I'm joined today by my colleagues Lou Moore, Chris Showbloom, and Emily Makings. We are recording this on January 17th, 2017. We are right now in the first week of the state legislature's 2017 legislative session. And today we're going to be talking about a new special report that we have just published um, that goes into a deep analysis of Governor Inslee's proposed 2017 through 2019 um, operating budget. Um, Emily has put together this report. It provides a lot of really great information. And so, Emily, let's turn to you, and um, if you could give us an, an overview, that would be fabulous. So going into 2017-2019, um, the maintenance level spending, which is the costs of continuing to provide current services, mm-hmm. will increase spending by $3.48 billion over 2015-17. Mm-hmm. So that's before any of the policy items that Governor Inslee would like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, Governor Inslee would, um, he proposes spending $4.762 billion on policy changes. Um, so that's a really big number, especially mm-hmm. given the fact that, um, that revenue growth is um, expected to be about $2.6 billion. Wow. So that's a big increase. Right. And um, to cover all that spending, he does propose significant revenue increases, which Chris will talk about later. Okay. Unless you wanted to go to that now. How about we just give a brief overview of that, and Chris can do a deep dive in a bit, just so people know what kind of tax hikes um, the governor's, or repeal of tax exemptions the governor's talking about. Okay, so he he proposes increasing revenues by about four point four billion dollars, mm-hmm. and that includes um, he would increase the business and occupation tax rate on services. He would impose taxes on carbon and capital gains, and he would repeal several, I think, five tax exemptions. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, there are several um, transfers from funds um, to the general fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would use $407 million from the Rainy Day Fund. Um, additionally, they would transfer um, $253 million from the Public Works Assistance Account and about $92 million from the Carbon Pollution Reduction Account um, and some other funds from other accounts as well. Okay. And then um, this would leave reserves of... Um, an unrestricted Indian fund balance of $384 million and then total reserves, including the rainy day fund, of $1.74 billion. So that's a lot of money. Yes, it is a definitely a significant increase over the last biennium. Mm-hmm. And um, the spending proposals are vast. And okay. And would you like to go through some of those, what some of those spending proposals are? An overview. It is in um, public schools. Mm-hmm. It does take to heart the McCleary, um, the need to comply with McCleary. Uh, according to the governor's office, um, they think that um, in order to address McCleary, the state will have to increase spending by $2.4 billion to fund um, K 12 employee salaries and by another $332.9 million for educator training. 
Okay, so that's that, and that's the total of a, a little over two point seven billion. That's just on salaries and training. Yes, and okay. according to the governor, that's how much that takes to comply with McCleary. Okay. Of course, legislature will have other ideas. Yes, there's not a there's not a firm consensus on how much exactly needs to be spent to comply with McCleary. So he does that, and then on, on top of that, he adds another billion dollars to public schools. I guess to back a second, as part of the salary increases, he would create actually a new salary allocation model. So um, there would be administrative changes as well in how, as to how salaries are are uh, computed and mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but additionally, he would increase spending for um, school nurses, psychologists, guidance counselors, etc. Um, he'd also increase funding for health benefits for school staff, um, and he would increase funding for mentoring for principals and teachers. So there's a lot um, of additional funding for salary and training related items that mm -hmm. go beyond Cleary. Okay. Um, and then continuing with education, but on the in the higher education realm, mm -hmm. um, spending would be um, increased to the institutions so that they could freeze tuition for the resident undergraduates for the, the biennium. Okay. Um, funding would go up for the state need grant, and there's some money for the medical schools. Okay. And then in other education. The Department of Early Learning um, would get $28 million to expand early childhood education and assistance programs. Mm -hmm. And it would also actually, as part of the proposal, Governor Inslee would transfer the Department of Early Learning to a new agency in um, that is called the Department of Children, Youth, and Family. Okay, and interesting. To that new agency, he'd also transfer Children's Administration which is um, children's welfare, basically. I mean, okay, all, uh, everything to do with children and keeping them safe, I guess. Okay, so that would be probably then transferred out of DSHS, out of where CPS, Child Protective Services, is now? Yeah. So, okay. So those two agencies, and there are a few other small ones, would become this Department of Children and Youth and Families. Okay. Uh, the idea would be to, to just keep all of the youth items in one place and not transferred around or not scattered about the mm -hmm. um, so that really cuts back on the other education budget area because the department of early, early learning is a large component of that but budget area okay um so then to go on to social and health services um mental health funding is increased he would fund 137 new staff um, for the uh, state psychiatric hospitals, which have been a big problem. Mm -hmm. um, and also $63 million for community placement beds for patients who are discharged from the psychiatric hospitals. Okay, gotcha. And then there's also a lot of money um, spent to increase uh, rate paid to supported living providers, um, to fund agreements with individual providers of in-home care. Um, so that's kind of... A on par with uh, the collective bargaining agreements for state employees, but okay. they're not state employees, so it's separately. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, and then the other big change in the budget is that he would transfer 
all of the community mental health and substance use programs from the health care, from uh, DSHS to the health care authority. Okay. That would yeah. be sort of in line with the new push, which I think has bipartisan agreement to integrate mental health and physical health. Right. And it's, it's part of a, the legislature's already passed um, bills directing the state to kind of move in this direction. Mm-hmm. So this represents a funding swing of about almost a billion dollars from SHS to the HCA. Okay. And the HCA is where um, Medicaid is administered also. So that right. it's t it would be taking on a lot more with all of this. Yeah. It seems, at least in theory, that seems to make a lot more sense. Um, so you don't have mental health over on this side segregated from the physical health aspect if they're trying to... to to meld those two together, or, or at least coordinate, I should say. Yeah, that would be the hope for much better coordination. Yes. So that takes care of uh, human services pretty much, and there's also $41 million to treat um, Medicaid patients with hepatitis C, which mm, is okay. under federal court order. Mm-hmm. Right, we have that, there's the situation with a very expensive drug Right, and yeah. the state had been um, using it only for patients who were really far along in the, with mm -hmm. the disease who needed it the most, but mm -hmm. now they have to provide it to everyone. Yeah. So, um, moving on, uh, another big item is um, debt service on new bonds that are proposed in the capital budget, mm -hmm. which would be about $40 million. Also, the governor would put $20 million into an account to fund homelessness programs. Uh, those programs, I don't think, were very defined in the proposal, but there's $20 million there. Okay. Also, there's a, um, a local public safety enhancement account that funds, um, where fun funds are from that are, are, got, are sent to the law enforcement officers and firefighters retirement system plan, too. They're mm. used for public safety purposes. Oh. So, are supposed to be made into the account every odd numbered year if um, revenues have come in over a certain amount. And the 2013-15 and 2015-17 operating budget suspended those transfers and Governor Inslee's budget would also suspend the transfer, which this year is supposed to be $50 million. Interesting. Then in employee compensation, as I mentioned a little bit, the governor would fund the collective bargaining agreements reached with state employees, okay. which um, cost about $700 million. And um, those include, that includes raises, for most employees, raises of 2% um, on July 1st, 2017, another 2% on July 1st, 2018, and another 2% on January 1st, 2019. Okay. And for our listeners, these are the collective bargaining agreements are made with the, uh, these are all the state employees, right, who are unionized. Right. Plus, the raises are extended to a number of um, employees who are not represented by unions. Okay. So the legislature, I mean, will have to give an, have an up, and, up or down vote on whether or not to approve them. Right. They, they can't, uh, they're not allowed to say, well, we want to shave a certain amount off. They have to say yes or no. Yes, all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the other thing is that, unfortunately, the governor's budget assumes a suspension of a four-year, of the four-year balanced budget agreement. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, requirement. 
so it's uh, unclear exactly how out of balance they are over four years. So I guess I think next week the Economic Revenue um, Forecast Council is going to adopt uh, an outlook based on the governor's proposal. Okay. Interesting to watch for, but um, that's an unfortunate part of this. Right. I don't. I don't imagine the um, the Republicans who control the state senate are going to be terribly happy about that, or are terribly happy about that. Um, this has seemed, This has come up a lot recently. Right. It seems to be sort of a regular thing. Like the Democrats propose suspending it, and the Republicans say no, and then they work. They work it out. Um, so I guess lastly on the spending, um, the this is the called what we've been talking about is called the, the book two budget. This mm-hmm. is the, the budget that um, the governor would like to see if he can raise revenues how he wants. But the governor is actually required by law to present a budget that um, balances within existing revenues. Mm-hmm. So he also proposes a book one budget every, every um, year. Right. And this year, the book one budget would increase spending by 4.6 billion dollars over 2015-17 mm-hmm. of which um, 1.2 billion dollars is policy changes okay. so um, still even without any revenues you still would increase spending by over a billion dollars over maintenance level okay and most of that is for employee compensation oh interesting okay not 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 toward education no. Or no, I guess, would that include I mean, teacher? There's a lot of education spending, but the policy changes that he proposes are mostly for um, state employee compensation. Okay, gotcha. But they do not include the McCleary salary increases mm-hmm. in the budget. Right. That's just ignored. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's a lot of info. It's a lot of, lot of big numbers, right? Yeah, uh, Mary, if I could say at this juncture, I think some folks were surprised by the breadth and uh, sweep of this uh, aspirational mm-hmm. did from the governor. I, I don't think uh, as a whole it's going to be taken too seriously politically. But right. It's kind of like astounded. he's it's some of these numbers. I mean, taking 400 million out of the rainy day fund. And the environment that we're in right now, I mean, that's kind of a shocker. And even uh, and even taking uh, $250 million, uh, out of the Public Works Trust Fund, something that's been done because of uh, problems uh, finding, uh, problems balancing in the budget, uh, that's a big chunk. And it's a, it's a bigger chunk, I believe, than that they have taken uh, it recently. Is. It's, it's a lot of money. And, of course, we'll, we'll, this is all posted on our, on our website, so our listeners can actually see but when you actually you know you hear all these numbers it's like what but when you see the first of all the massive just the tax increase either they're either new taxes or tax increases or you know repealing tax exemptions and it's like wow four point almost 4.4 billion then on top of that you know the transfers from the rainy day fund and sweeping stuff from other it's like wow aren't isn't 4.369 billion in tax increases enough like you need more even after that um it's it's it is a lot and you know as you note lou to expose the state to to take so much out of the rainy day and to not have a balanced budget um not that i'm hoping this will happen or thinking this will happen but it's been 
what, almost nine years, eight and a half years since the last recession started. And we know the economy goes in cycles. And it seems like, you, you especially after the trauma of the last Great Recession, you really want to be prepared and have a nice little, um, I don't know, nest egg or reserve in, in the case of the, of the next downturn. And I hope it doesn't happen anytime soon. But if it does, um, because then you're just setting yourself up. If you've spent your, maxed yourself out, you're going to have to cut for all these poor people. And it, it just, uh, it's just my opinion, but it, it doesn't seem to be the, the wisest approach in the world. But again, I don't think anyone expects that this is going to be the final, um, the final budget. It's sort of his wish list. And he's, he's laid the gauntlet down in a lot of areas also. Right. Right. Um, okay. So Chris, could you walk us through, there are many, um, new tax proposals. Well, some, some that have been proposed before, they're not, not terribly new, but could you walk us through those in greater detail so our listeners have an idea of what, what, what the governor's proposing in terms of new taxes and new revenues? Okay. Um, let me just start by saying that there was little on this list that was surprising. Right. Uh, except perhaps for the, the, the large increase in the B&O tax on services. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, one thought looking at this is that he um, uh, had a, a, a spending plan he wanted to put forward, and he was, um, um, it would be necessary to propose revenue to, to fund the plan, and he just put, uh, pulled the, the normal suspects off the shelf and plugged them in. Mm -hmm. um, oh, we know that through the history of this is that the uh, generally the the legis the, uh, the the governor doesn't provide much of a lead on uh, on on revenues. Um, uh, revenues usually come in at the at the last minute on the choices of how to how to raise additional revenue when mm. needed, and uh, it's pol a political dealing taking place at that time. Okay. Um, so we probably don't need sh uh, uh, folks need ought not to spend too much time worrying about these particular proposals, but we can go over them anyway. Right. Uh, sh we should go over them anyway because we're here. Um, so let me let me start by talking about the, the things that we've seen before. Okay. Um, first uh, on that list and the largest is the uh, uh, carbon tax mm -hmm. uh, rate. It would be twenty five dollars a ton. Uh, then with annual increases at inflation plus three and a half percent, so it's going to ramp up. Um, what's interesting here is that um, uh, those are those um, um, who have followed the the carbon um, uh, policy mm -hmm. uh, know that there is really there are two different ways to put a price on carbon that economists have talked about. Uh, one is a cap-and-trade system, the mm -hmm. other is a carbon tax. Uh, up until this point, uh, uh, Governor Inslee has been firmly in the cap-and-trade camp as opposed to the right. carbon tax camp, uh, but at this, um, uh, but he's reversed and has, come, has now come out in favor of a carbon tax. Um, uh, on the, interesting. On the on the heels of yes, carbon yes, tax you're, you're, being... you're, you're stepping on my line. Oh, sorry, I won't step on your <laughs> Forget I said uh, anything. We'll edit yeah, it out. That's all right. Wait, that's good. No, no, you um, go ahead. Well, great lines. Pass along. Exactly. Um, anyway, um, um, this is on the heels of the, of, the, of the rejection of a carbon tax mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, by voters last November and his opposition to that carbon tax. So, uh, well, and the funny, uh, suddenly turning around and, and putting this out is yeah. Is, and the, and the is, funny is thing was, you know, the carbon tax that was rejected by voters. Unlike this is just a straight carbon tax. Boom, done. The the carbon tax proposal um, rejected by the voters included a reduction in the sales tax. Uh, reduction in some B&O tax rate. So it was attempting to sort of sweeten the pot, say, well, yeah, we're going to increase this carbon tax, but we're also going to lower your sales tax and lower some other taxes. And voters said no. Now, this is just a straight-up carbon tax. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, it's, it seems, it's, it's interesting. Uh, um, very interesting. Uh, yeah. And, and, of course, uh, carbon tax, for our, our listeners um, who aren't quite sure about... Uh, how a carbon tax works, Chris. It's it's uh, it is imposed on entities that produce a certain amount of carbon emissions. Is that right? Yes, with uh, um, um, sometimes indirectly, the tax is indirectly imposed on those emitters as opposed to directly. For example, with gasoline, um, you will not uh, directly tax the individual auto. Um, um, uh, owner mm-hmm. or driver, but you'll you'll impose the tax to sort of upstream on the um, uh, at some point when the the gasoline is being distributed. Mm-hmm. Um, um, precise details. Uh, those who are interested in the in in, in understanding the details of of Inslee's proposal, it, it is in a bill, uh, Senate Bill five one one one. Mm. Um, and uh, we, if this has any legs, we will probably write something on it. Uh, okay. So let's see. We um, also so we'll provide a link to that, and then we also have it's obviously not the same proposal, but we talk about some of the concepts um, when we did a, a sort of a an overview of that carbon tax initiative yes. before the election for voters. We didn't take a position; we just you know um, did little analysis. So we'll we'll provide a link to that as well. As, as, as um, I believe you noted, that this, interestingly, you know, the original initiative, which voters turned down, um, it, uh, returned a great deal of that money that was going to be raised through the carbon tax to uh, uh, back to the voters in one form or another. Right. Uh, whereas this one is just this is is just spending all that money. Right. Yeah, it was it was I, fascinating. I mean, not to relitigate that, but it was fascinating to watch. There were a lot of more, I would say, moderate Democrats and moderate environmentalists who strongly supported it because they felt like, okay, we're going to reduce carbon emissions, maybe, hopefully, um, but not, but have it be revenue neutral, so more palatable. And then you had, um, I'm kind of making a value statement here, but some of the more hardcore who were like, no, no, it needs to be more, um, I guess, and I'm characterizing them, but more redistributionist in nature. Yeah, so they just basically wanted the state to be able to use the money for something. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, so I, actually, one of the interesting things is I think that that this will uh, it's, it's highly unlikely the legislature will do anything on the right. carbon tax, um, but um, I also think it's likely that we'll see the carbon tax coming before the voters, mm. uh, not if not in 2017, then at 2018. And the, the bill that Inslee has introduced may well be the basis of an initiative that will come forward. Interesting. They're going to uh, try again. I, I think so, yeah. 
um, not the same group of people, though. This That's true, good. yeah. Yeah, I think there, so, there was such a split in the environmental community, and maybe the yeah. more purist among them feel like, well, we can if we put forward our position, maybe the voters will like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, the next uh, uh, major item, uh, I, I should I should note that the uh, carbon tax is projected uh, to yield the state a little over a billion dollars. Yeah, until the, until uh, all the com- until all the companies that affect start leaving, and then yeah. the, your <laughs> then your revenues go down significantly, right? Yeah. Well, you know, most of it is get a, a good short uh, portion of it is passed on to um, mm-hmm. to the drivers of automobiles. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, for sure. Um, the the next uh, item is the capital gains tax, mm-hmm. and this uh, would be a rate- whole new tax, like the carbon tax. It would be a whole new tax. Yes, um, uh, at the rate of um, um, seven point nine percent. Um, with a um, uh, uh, $25,000 threshold for uh, individual, an individual taxpayer, $50,000 for a, um, a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, residential property would be exempt. This is, I think, pretty close to the car, to the capital gains tax bills that have been considered before. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and the the gain on that in the upcoming biennium would be eight hundred and twenty-one million. Okay, Wouldn't also forecast. retirement accounts be exempt? No, they would. Oh. oh, yeah, retirement accounts would be exempt. Yes, yes, yes exempt. Yeah. So residential so the, uh, retirement accounts. I think there were a few yeah. other things, but yeah, there, there, there was a standard list of exemptions that were that were in previous legislation that uh, that have carried forward in this. Um, um, you know, they've seen how this bill is how, how, how people in the past have complained about uh, the capital gains tax, and they've tried to pick up a, a, a pick off a few interest groups by mm-hmm. by, by uh, uh, targeted exemptions. Okay. Um, again, I don't think this this one has failed in the past. So I think mm-hmm. it'll fail going forward. Mm-hmm. Said it's eight hundred and twenty-one million dollars in the upcoming biennium. Uh, one of the things about a capital gains tax is that there's a when you put one into place, there's a, a fairly long lag before the revenue really starts to come in so um so going forward uh the annual take would be something uh probably twice as much more than twice as much as what they're projecting in the for the for the upcoming biennium okay Um, and you know do they take into account the prime this is kind of a leading question are they taking into account the uh potential behavioral change of people who are like, well, now that there's a capital gains tax in Washington State, I'm going to move my money somewhere else. So I have not talked to the people who did the revenue forecast on mm-hmm. this, so I am not, I am not sure. Okay. Um, I tend to believe that there are larger um, um, impacts than they will have modeled. Mm-hmm. Um, although, this the actual revenue coming in, the forecast is for money coming in far enough into the future that, that you know that the um, that the actual amount to come in will be diff- significantly okay. different from what's being projected, either up or down. Okay. Uh, so it's going to be hard to actually, if, it, if they actually went through and passed this uh, and then and then started collecting, it'd be hard to really evaluate the quality of this forecast given the noise in the in the flow coming in. Uh, but yeah, I think that it's. I, I think the the evident the um, um, when you look at just the experience on the federal level 
mm-hmm. with changes in the tax rate on capital gains. Um, higher taxes, higher tax rates significantly depress the number of gains that are taken. Right. Uh, you know, taking a gain gain is is usually a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you take a gain in order, uh, typically, to in order to reinvest the proceeds from the sale of the of the assets in some alternative asset, and your willingness to 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 pay some tax to make the switch depends on the amount of, a- of tax you're being charged. Um, I was a little pretty, surprised. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, I was a little surprised at the low. I mean, I guess they they needed to make enough raise enough revenues, but I was surprised at the low threshold, like 25000 I mean, if someone socks, you know, starts socking enough a significant um, amount of money per year and puts it in a relatively aggressive growth, say, mutual fund or stocks, I mean, it wouldn't take them long to get to 25000 And if it weren't a retirement fund, if it were for like, a, I'm going to take a sabbatical and go travel around Europe for a year fund, that's I don't know. It's, it seems like a pretty low threshold. Um, you know, we're not talking about the ultra-rich here. Yeah. Well, you know, the the higher the threshold, the less, rev- less exactly. revenue you get. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Um, and then there is a, a list of, there, I think it's six um, uh, tax exemptions. That are I think to it's be- five. Is it five or six? Oh no! You excuse me. You're right. The, the The bottom one I'm counting is okay. really not a is not a uh, an exam. And it's like the same spot. ones. I mean, you could take yeah. a yes. the same one. Yes. I remember last year. Us ta- I'm having a flashback where we talked about this, and we were talking about how from the previous year. It's like bottled water, blah blah blah. Anyway, go ahead. Go through your list. But just so our yes. listeners know, this is like literally a copy and paste job. Yes. Um, so the the first one is to limit the um, uh, trading in exemption on used property. Primarily, this will be used cars mm-hmm. um, uh, to ten thousand uh, dollars. So if you go to a car dealer uh, and you buy a new car and you, um, um, as part of your uh, uh, the, the transaction, you give back your existing car to mm-hmm. the uh, to the dealer. Uh, it credits you um, a certain amount of value. Um, then uh, the most that they can do is uh, you can claim is ten thousand um, dollars. The second um, is to limit the the um, foreclosure exemption for real estate excise tax. Um, um, that which is going to expect it to yield $59 million. I, I should have said that the trade-in exemption was, um, uh, limitation was go- would yield $91 million. Okay. Uh, as you mentioned, the, they're going to repeal the bottled water sales tax exemption, uh, which would yield uh, $57 million over the biennium. Um, repeal the extracted fuel exemption. Except for the, the case where the extracted fuel is hog fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me translate that. Uh, they're <laughs> going to repeal an exemption uh, that is enjoyed by the um, uh, oil refiners in the state when they okay. uh, burn uh, gas that is um, um, uh, generated as uh, a byproduct of the refining process. Uh, they recycle okay. that gas and use it, and they're going to force them to... Uh, to pay tax on the value of the of the gas that they are burning there, uh, but 
but um, uh, sawmills and paper mills do a, do a, set, a similar sort of, of recycling of byproducts uh, as fuel. Uh, and this repeal will not apply to them. Okay. Um, they're going to um, uh, deal with the uh, non-resident sales tax exemption. Um, 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 and it's really going to take the, um, you know, currently if somebody's from out of state buys, a, uh, someone, some, something makes a purchase in the state that would normally be subject to sales tax, that out of state resident, if it's, um, in many cases, is allowed uh, uh, to avoid paying that sales tax. So right, like people, gonna, people from Oregon who come over the border yes. and shop here. Yeah. They yeah, show their ID or whatever and they don't have to pay it. That's right, and and the um, 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 they're going to turn that into a refundable credit, a, a refund rather than just just um, um, allowing uh, a complete a straight exemption. And they're counting on the fact that a number of people won't. Yeah, people aren't going to bother to go send in their application. Stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's really. Um, and so that's and that one was forty nine million dollars. Um, uh, the the uh, Next item on this list, which I had initially counted as being a repeal of exemption, but it's not, um, is going to be to extend economic nexus to retailing B&O activities. That, let me translate that. Yes. They're, they're going to change the law a little bit so that they can, um, uh, they hope to be able to get some out-of-state retailers who sell into this state mm -hmm. uh, to pay B&O tax on their sales. Uh, and that's about $12 million is what they're going to get for that. Um, now, now, I go back, let me go back up, up to my sure. top of my list. Yeah, yeah. The big item uh, is um, um, raising the, um, the B&O tax rate on services. Okay. Uh, they would take that B&O tax rate from 1.5% to 2.5%. Um, and this would uh, generate just under $2.3 billion, according to their projection. Okay. Um, it's interesting you know, that you know, raising the B&O tax on services is one of the usual suspects mm -hmm. um, uh, when we deal with uh, a recession and where there's a short-term need to, to raise some more revenue. But those increases in the past have, have generally been temporary. Mm -hmm. um, 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 this is the, the kind of unique in that we're going after it when we're at permanently um, as part of a, sort of an expansion in the scope of state government spending. And it's on certain services, is it not? Does this include um, it's all services? Oh, it's on all it's, services. Yes, it's across. It's it's a, it's a very broad. Holy mackerel! Uh, yeah. And of course, when we're talking, you know, when people see. I mean, it's Excuse me, I should say it's sort of all services that are currently taxed at the service rate. There's some services okay. that are big. And, um, you know, I think we mentioned this in our, we we previously had a podcast where we talked in more general terms about the governor's, this, the governor's proposal. But when you're talking about a, you know, an increase in the B&O tax rate from 1.5 to 2.5 percent, um, that's actually, it's, it's probably is a lot worse or more impactful than it sounds because you're talking about it, the B&O is on gross, right? It's not on your profits. It's just on pre-profit, whatever you take in. So um, it doesn't take into account your other expenses. 
Um, so this could be a big deal for a lot of a lot of people. Well, it's, a, it's just like putting a sales tax on the on these people, raising right. them. And, and of course, uh, it will get passed along to consumers. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it will. Yeah. It will. Um. So then, I, that that's those are the the revenue increases, and then they were listing three. Um, revenue decreases that are in the budget um, because they they want to raise the cigarette smoking uh, the, the 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 smoking age uh, from 18 to 21. Uh, they're projecting that will cost them 16 million dollars in hmm. uh, um, in cigarette taxes. Okay. Um, they would like to do to uh, um, provide high technology R and D incentives. Uh, which would be sort of um, giving incentives back to some folks who were who lost them a, a year or two ago, and then also extending some some uh, incentives that are about to expire. Um, the cost of that is thirty million dollars, and then they were going to increase the um, um, the threshold um, for filing uh, for small for small businesses increase the revenue threshold for the uh, for filing uh, for B and O tax and then also increase the credit that that reduces or eliminates B and O taxes for small businesses um, uh, and uh, and that was projected to cost 92 million dollars okay um, and as I, I Mentioned the the, uh, the the I had some bill numbers here. I know I mentioned one, uh, but the tra- the uh, the the um, tax exemption repeal bill is five one one two Senate Bill five one one two. The capital gains tax bill is Senate Bill five one one one, and the carbon tax bill is Senate Bill five one two seven. Okay, great. Okay, all right. Well, thank you, Chris, for that. Um, so. We've now covered um, sort of the spending side and the tax side. Uh, we've talked about how, you know, granted, um, this is the governor's wish list, but it's unlikely he's going to <laughs> get a lot of what he's asking for, um, especially considering the fact that we the, um, the Republicans do still control the state Senate and are unlikely to be amenable to things like Oh, capital gains tax or carbon tax or B&O tax increase or suspending um, uh, the four-year balance budget requirement. So um, what is your take? What do you guys think about um, a re- you know, get out your crystal balls, I guess. What might be a reasonable level given the demands of McCleary given some of the demands of what needs to be done with mental health and the Western State Hospital, and obviously the current um, obligations the state has, uh, a re- what might be a more, more reasonable uh, spending increase and then revenue increase? Well, I think the first thing is, is, I mean, everybody has a different opinion on what the government should be doing as far as providing services. I don't know if we can even really go there too far, but uh, political reality, I think, dictates that uh, three of these major uh, funding mechanisms, the three tax increases, uh, the big ones that, that he's mentioned, 
are all DOA uh, as, as far as politics and possibly even in his in the Democratic caucus. Uh, in terms of having a carbon tax, a new carbon tax, uh, uh, and having a tax uh, on services, and starting a capital gains tax, uh, I don't think there's an appetite for that level of ambition in tax uh, for tax increases. Uh, uh, I mean, across the board, he's going to have severe difficulties. I think. Yeah. Making that happen. So yes, yeah, so a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of what the governor as proposed, obviously, is definitely um, DOA. Um, you know, it seems to me that when we're talk, when we've been talking about McCleary, there's a general agreement that there are going to have to be some new revenues. Um, what form those might take, I don't know, but um, it seems unlikely that they're going to be able to get all of this done within within existing revenues um and we there's a whole other topic of <laughs> if the members of the legislature can even agree um on how much it's going to cost so i think you know obviously it's no no great surprise to anybody the, the size of the budget is going to come down to how much they can agree it's actually going to cost to fulfill their McCleary obligations and satis and of course satisfy the court, and uh, you know how much that is, is is anyone's guess. I guess it's it's, it's kind of up to uh, the, the lawmakers how they how they can negotiate over the coming months, and then it's also obviously ultimately up to the court, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, the legislators have to decide. I mean, it's up to them to just say what is basic education. Mm -hmm. That the court said that. Um, basic education must be funded by the state, but they've left it to the legislature to define what basic education is. Right. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. Um, <laughs> the So far, the I, I think the, the McCleary, the Education Funding Task Force, has um, had its last meeting. Of course, they didn't agree. We wrote about this on our, on our website. We did a few blog posts. Um, they couldn't agree on final recommendations, which actually wasn't a huge surprise, but um, they do have very different ideas about what's going to constitute basic education. I think the Democrats wanted to add some more items to the menu of basic education, which obviously would make it more expensive. So, and then, you know, unfortunately, even with the, um, with the consultant, the consultant who went through and, and uh, sort of surveyed all of the school districts uh, to determine how much more it would cost the state to pay for all the ba functions of basic education, including uh, teacher and staff salaries. There, there's not even an agreement on that either. So I guess, it, you know, it's just all going to come, as, as is always the case in Olympia, it's going to come out in negotiations. Well, I think it's interesting, Mary, that, uh, that this uh, very ambitious aspirational budget also brings up some other really pretty central issues uh, when we talk about budgeting, I mean, is a four-year uh, uh, balanced budget a good idea? A lot of people say it's a very good idea mm -hmm. for planning and to, to be able to monitor uh, spending levels. Uh, you know, the proper use of the rainy day fund. Is it okay to just take $400 million out of the rainy day fund when you're just wanting to spend a lot more money on things as opposed to... Uh, 
uh, uh, using it as a stopgap when revenues fall. I think that's an important issue and one that I've heard legislators talk about, uh, and this is not a small issue, is the fact that, that our governors, uh, in, in recently at least, have been engaging in this collective bargaining and making very expensive agreements mm -hmm. public sector unions and then just throwing that into the pot. I mean, this is over $500 million in this case. Exactly. Uh, and uh, it was not really a transparent project, uh, process, this collective bargaining, at least mm -hmm. many would. So uh, I think those are all big issues. Even the Public Works Trust Fund, I'm hearing more people all the time talking about the uh, shortfall uh, of transportation infrastructure, uh, congestion relief in, in all of these various suburbs that are, you know, expanding all around us here in Puget mm -hmm. Sound. And, right. uh, and they're, but, but yet they're tapping this fund that's des designated. It was a promise the state made to the localities who were supposed to keep up this infrastructure as part of the Growth Management Act. That, that this is the biggest amount of money they've taken out of it, I think, to date, uh, to use for other purposes other than local transportation. So, so there's uh, some pretty significant policy issues that come up with this, too, as well as the, the dollars. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then, of course, I mean, we won't get into this now because it's a whole separate issue. But the, you know, the whole um, McCleary is about more than just, as we've said many times before, it's about more than just funding. It's about how are you going to have accountability and how are you going to, um, are you going to have any education reforms along with all this new funding that's coming in? Um, you know, how are teachers going to be paid and, uh, not how much that's that's an issue as well but just how where, how's it going to come what channels is it going to going to come through is there going to be bargaining at the local level or the state level i mean there's so many decisions to be made and they kind of kind of cut they're they're not just policy issues they're also some pretty significant um i guess ideological issues as well or philosophical issues um so they've got a they've got a lot of decisions to make this year yes indeed and uh, they're scheduled on paper to be done by April 23rd, although I would be shocked if they, if they get everything done in time. As they say in Las Vegas, take the over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very wise advice. All right, guys. Well, um, anything else for today? There's lots else, but... Um, I think I think we've covered all of the uh, main aspects of this, and of course, um, we'll be providing everyone with updates as the budget negotiations continue. Of course, you know we're just um, in week one of the session, and um, there's a lot of uh, more negotiations between lawmakers, and um, you know the Senate Republicans have don't have their um, their sort of McCleary proposal out yet, which will have a huge bearing on the size of their budget proposal as well. Um, and Chris, you mentioned there will be some more uh, revenue forecast numbers out? Oh, yes, yes. Um, there's a, a revenue forecast that's upcoming um, in um, 
actually, no, I, I can't remember whether they whether it be February or March. It, it yeah. Tr- traditionally, it had been in March, but then they had moved it up to February That's the right. last time, and I'm not sure whether that was permanently moved up or was just or, a yeah. one-time deal. And, of course, that always gives, um, <laughs> in a way, it's sort of, it can serve as a, as a stalling mechanism because the lawmakers are like, yeah. well, we want to wait and see how much m- more or less money we're dealing with. Now, I think I think that the the um, this argument that it's a stalling mechanism is um, is really not too powerful. Mm-hmm. What we have here is we've got some very difficult decisions that have yeah. to be made, and the um, and and decisions that are going to leave constituents mad one way or another. Absolutely. And and the in facing in that kind of situation, legislatures like to show that they've tried as hard as possible, and mm-hmm. that means holding off on a deal till the very last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're gonna we're gonna be in session in the last week of of, of June, uh, no matter when the revenue uh, forecast yeah. comes. Yeah, I think so too. There are just too many decisions to be made. And that's just on education. I mean, there are a bunch of others. Lou pointed out, what do we do about the four-year balanced budget? What do we do about the rainy day fund? All that stuff. Um, And, you know, of course, there's, and it's not the topic of this podcast, but we've also got transportation budgets and capital budgets to to go through, too. So, I don't, I do not envy those, those men and women at all. Glad I'm not one of them. Yep. <laughs> all right. But we are, appreciate all of our public servants, yep. don't we? Yes. yes, we do. Yes. All right. Good. Well, um, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Emily, for putting together this fantastic resource because it really does give, give you um, a very detailed overview of, of what's in the governor's budget and lays it all out in really clear in a really clear way. So um, thank you for that. We will have that. We'll have a link to that in our in our um, podcast description, um, and we'll provide links to all of the the bills that we mentioned, um, as well as to our past report on the carbon tax and any other information our listeners might find helpful on on the whole issue of what a carbon tax is. Um, so thank you, Lou, Chris, and Emily for joining us today. Thank you to our listeners. And just a reminder, um, in addition to us being on, you can always listen to us on our website, also on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So you can listen on your phone, on your app. Just um, search for Washington Research Council. Um, Thank you very much, and we will talk to you soon. 